What's going on, guys? Hey, it's Anthony here on the Culture Jack Podcast. It is Monday. Madness. Today we're going. We're going to just dive into a couple of oddballs for you, and I'm going to cover a myriad of things just because I feel like I feel like it. <laughs> so, that's, so that's why. Hope you guys are doing well on this Monday. If you're listening to the day of release. And of course, as always, guys, hey, hit the subscribe button, drop a review for us. We appreciate that. Also, check us out on IG, Facebook, at Culture Jack, the podcast, guys. We drop, I, I, I feel almost automated when I say this, but we drop four regular podcasts and have been dropping a fifth for you guys. We're covering all kinds of great topics with you every single week. Thursday, my uh, my partner in crime, Dustin, drops an incredible podcast discussing what's going on in the gaming world. Friday, he follows that up by some incredible original content. Saturday, we have been regularly dropping on this episode where we'll cover stuff like uh, The Wheel of Time. Dustin and Logan are covering that guy right now. We recently dropped that. That's uh, been a great show before that we hit the Eternals, Hawkeye, Loki, and many other shows. Um, and we've got a bunch planned for the future as well. Sunday, you get the weekend wire where I will dive into TV shows and movies and talk through uh, what's going on in that world. And then Monday, of course, you land back with me again, kicking off your week with whatever's going on in my mind. <laughs> or in the news or whatever it is I feel like talking about. So guys, we just ask, hit the subscribe button, check us out again on IG and over on Facebook. And we are available on tons of different podcasting platforms. So all that means for you is just go ahead, take a moment and, uh, hit the, uh, review button, hit the subscribe, follow button. And you're going to get this content every single week. So enough said there. Guys, today we're going to be, again, going over several different things. There is a couple of pieces I forgot to add to the last couple of weekend wires that I do want to touch. Unfortunately, it is covering, uh, and maybe we'll just start off with it even though I don't want to, but maybe if I start off with it, I can build up some momentum and and get away from it. Uh, recently, we lost two Hollywood legends, Betty Marin White, Luton, uh, Betty White. I mean, she's a staple in the industry. She's been in so many things over the years. Um, let me uh, just kind of run through this this woman's career as as best as I possibly can. Um, unfortunately, she passed away December thirty first, twenty twenty one. I didn't cover it, and I should have. Um, so we're going to try to cover that now. She's most notably remembered from the Golden Girls from 1985 to 1992, but she also featured in so many different, so many different things from Hot in Cleveland from 2010 to 2015, the Mary Tyler Moore Show from 1970 to 77, the Proposal in 2009, the Lorax 2012, Toy Story 4 2019, the Golden Palace 92 to 93, Lake Placid 99, You Again 2010, Mama's Family 1983 to 1990. The Lost Valentine, 2011. The Match Game, 73 to 82. Uh, Ponyo, 2008. 
Bringing Down the House, 2003, That 70s Show, 98 to 2006, The Betty White Show from 77 to 78, Trouble, 2009, Password, 61 to 75, The Golden Girls uh, Special, 2003, Young and Hungry, 2014, 2018, Life with Elizabeth, 1953 to 1955, Hercules. Um, I'm going to just run through some of these titles. Uh, What an incredible career the late Betty White had. And uh, it didn't matter, in my opinion. Betty White was such a staple. It doesn't matter what era you're from. The name, the face is recognizable. And uh, yeah, she definitely lived a full life as far as... uh, being being and becoming just such an iconic figure throughout uh, cinema history and everything else. You know, she was featured in Allie Moore, Mary Tyler Moore show, Date with the Angels in the 50s, Annie's Point, Ladies Men, Saturday Night Live, Dennis the Menace, and, and just so many, so many other shows. Um, again, I think she was 99 years old, which is absolutely amazing. She was born January 7th. 17th, 1922. So, wow. You know, uh, a note about her, you know, a pioneer of early television with a career spanning for over eight decades. White was noted for her vast work in the entertainment industry and being one of the first women to work both in front and behind the camera. She has, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, one second, holy shnikes. Um, so it looks like she has 30, not over 39 wins and over 40 nominations for various awards throughout the years, which again, it's just, wow, absolutely amazing. I'm just skimming through it and, and what, what a, uh, influential, incredible woman she will be missed and and that's that's what I want to say about that guys. I don't want to go too far beyond that, but you know, definitely a recognizable person and and just an incredible actress that that sustained a career for fucking 8 decades. Guys, Jesus Christ. That in itself is a fucking feat, man. My god. And to go from era to era and to be recognized at all levels whether you're you're new to movies and TV or you've been watching shows for your, you know, for 50 to 70 years, you know, the name Betty White, or Betty White, Betty White, you know, the face Betty White, that's a fucking icon. So rest in peace, Betty White. Uh, the next person, again, I, I uh, should have done a better job at uh, covering uh, the late Bob Saget. Unfortunately, he passed away January 9th, 2022. Uh, Bob was born May 17th, 1956. Robert Lane Saget was an American stand-up comedian, actor, and television host. Uh, Also, you know, if you were around, I would say the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you probably recognize Bob Saget um, from the body of work he's done. And uh, yeah, he's going to be missed as well. There's some controversial stuff going on about why he passed. We're not getting into that today at all. Um, however, we are going to talk a little bit about his body of work. Most notably, you probably recall him from the 1987 to 1995 show 
Full House, and then he returned again for Fuller House from 2016 to 2020. He was also on shows like How I Met Your Mother from 2005 to 2014, America's Funniest Home Videos, which, I mean, the dude, the dude did that and rocked it. I mean, I remember as, as a child watching American Home America's Funniest Home Videos, and then, of course, watching Full House. Uh, he, he was also in Dirty Work, The Aristocrats, uh, The Roast of Bob Saget on Comedy Central, Madagascar, Farce of the Penguins, New York Minute, Another Roast, it looks like, Dumb and Dumber, Entourage, he had an appearance, ben, Benjamin, Four Hope, Father and Scout, uh, Grandfathered from 2015 to 2016. Um, he's been featured all just all over the place. He is a comedic legend. And again, he definitely had his place in TV and movie history. He will be sadly missed as well. So rest in peace, Mr. Bob Saget and Miss Betty White. Let's change paces here. Let's let's try to uplift this a little bit. And head into a different direction. Um, one of the things I wanted to feature is Mark Millar. Uh, I've mentioned him several times there on the uh, Weekend Wire. Mark Millar is just, in my opinion, one of many, many, many creative geniuses. But you've seen his body of work, if not from the comic book world, you've probably seen it on or from television. And as we continue moving into the aka Malar verse i wanted to highlight some of his pieces of work and discuss a little bit about that because i feel like we're going to see more and more most recently you probably saw his work from jupiter's legacy which i've mentioned several times we've discussed it several times so i'm not going to rehash too much of that but nonetheless jupiter's legacy was one of many of his bodies of work and Unfortunately, due to budget restraints, or it appeared as though budget restraints and the way that it hit, oddly enough, the show was canceled within a month of viewing. I like the show. I like the way it was portrayed. I like the way it was shot. I like just how they did it um, because it wasn't the same. It wasn't the run of the mill. It wasn't this. It didn't give you the appearance of this high, super high end production. And I liked that. I like that it was. Uh, its own thing. Now I know people that's a little bit of a controversial thing because people did, didn't like it, but it didn't allow for the story to be told in my opinion. Um, but nonetheless, Jupiter's legacy is one. There's another one that he did that actually you did see an adaptation of it. It's called wanted. If you remember James McAvoy, Angelina Jolie, a movie that was uh, produced quite a while ago. In fact, it has one of my favorite scenes from any of these types of movies, where Chris Pratt is in that movie as well. He is fucking James McAvoy's girlfriend. He finds out he's losing his shit. He's, he's going into that wanted character that you recall from the movie, hits him in the face with a fucking keyboard. And then the keys fly out of the keyboard in said sequence, spelling the word out. Fuck you. Awesome. So that's another one. Here's another one that you should be aware of the show or movie, I should say, Kick-Ass. Uh, he was the creator of that as well from 2008-2010. Um, the artist on that was John Romita Jr., who is a comic book legend, him and his father. Um, but again, 
Um, Kick-Ass, I just recently announced, appears to be getting a reboot as well, which is awesome. We had Kick-Ass 2. Um, and then he also created Hit Girl. So that whole world. But he also did, in 2012, The Kingsman. So The Kingsman, Secret Service, uh, the artist that was tied to that was Dave Gibbons. So if you haven't seen The Kingsman, Kingsman movies, there's a brand new one that just came out. That's their third adaptation of the story or, or of their version of the story. So that's another part of the Millar verse. So again, Jupiter's Legacy, Wanted, Kick-Ass, Hit Girl, Kingsman, right? So painting a pretty big fucking picture here, right? Uh, let's keep going. There's the Unfunnies, Chosen, American Jesus. Uh, that's, a, that's just one, Chosen, American Jesus. 2008's War Heroes. 2010's Nemesis with Arctic Steve McNiven. I actually have a Nemesis copy number one at CGC getting graded. And a lot of these were short run books. I can tell you the ones that I personally own like Nemesis. Let me pull it up here. I think it's only a four run series. I have three, three of the books. Let me pull it up just to verify Nemesis. And that's, what's also cool about some of his, cause they were just short run um, a lot of them are just short runs run, uh, comic books, which to me lends to the, uh, lends to, and makes me appreciate more of what it is he's doing with bringing these characters to light and then expanding the stories. Now, Jupiter's legacy has several variations and, uh, is definitely a lot longer. Yeah. So nemesis is a four part series. So actually I have issue one, two and three. And it's funny on the cover of Nemesis, it states makes kick ass look like shit and it's all blurred out, but I love it. I, I just do. I, I love his, his style. Um, so on top of that, they're superior. I do have a couple of those comics as well. And that was by Lionel Francis. Yu as the artist for that super crooks, which I've mentioned several times over is another short and limited comic run by Mr. Mark Millar. And the animated series is out right now, again, by Lineal Francis Yu. Uh, we also have MPH, which artist Duncan Ferregio helped with over at Image Comics. Uh, let's see, we got Hit Girl, Kick-Ass, Jupiter's Legacy. Starlight was another one from 2014 with Goran Parvlo over at Image Comics. Jupiter Circle um, with Wilfredo uh, Torres as the artist over at Image Comics. There's Huck. Uh, Chrononauts, Empress, and Reborn. Reborn has the incredible Greg Capullo uh, tied to it, which if you're not familiar with Greg Capullo as an artist, he is one of the uh, artists that contributes to the Spawn collection, which is incredible. So those are all parts of this bigger Malarverse. There's the Magic Order with Oliver Capel, or Coapel, which the Magic Order just got a reboot as far as the comic book goes. There's high speculation for that coming to Netflix, Empress coming to Netflix, Reborn coming to Netflix. Uh, Prodigy is another one that is done by Raphael Albuquerque, uh, the artist for that. And there's six issues with Prodigy, six issues with the original Magic Reborn re, uh, or Magic Order. Um, Prodigy is supposedly at Netflix as well in production. A few years ago, I read that they were working on casting. There's Sharky, the bounty hunter, a six issue run with Sam Bianche. 
which it could be an up and coming Netflix show. Space Bandits is another one with Mateo Scalara as the artist. Again, most of those are image IPs, which is awesome to me. Let's keep bringing this this uh, other stuff, which also is speculated for Netflix. Uh, Chrononauts Future Shock. Uh, American Jesus, the new Messiah, and then King of Spies. So that is what is currently tied to the Malarverse. Now, we do have a new run on Magic Order out in comic book world and a new run on Jupiter's Legacy as well that are all current and I believe still playing to the Malarverse. But the reason I bring this up is because this information uh, or that the I should say the resources to better understand these characters and what could come in this world is available to you. And I also think it's fucking incredible because we know and I've all been an audience member of the ever building Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is absolutely uh, a juggernaut. We know that the numbers fucking regardless of whether you like this or not uh, in the MCU. They're fucking murdering it. They're killing the box office every time when there's new stuff coming out. And mind you today, and I forgot this yesterday as well. Today, uh, the day this releases, the new Moon Knight trailer is dropping during the football game. So once that hits, it's just going to go through the roof. Uh, We'll probably get a date. We'll have to see once it comes out. Um, But we've got that brewing and growing. I mean, it's it is it's got to be one of the highest producing ips of all time um you've got the star wars also falling under the marvel slash disney universe uh multiverse kind of thing going on so we've got two different multiverses coming from the boys at disney we have speculation of the multiverse that's growing at dc but to have kind of an independent multiverse growing within itself to me is absolutely exciting um i like the extreme differences in the stories and the characters and everything that's being told because there doesn't necessarily have to be continuity within the characters, but it is within the same world. And that's one of the things that I truly appreciate about the speculation of Malarverse, because if you watch Jupiter's legacy and then you watch super crooks, well, superhero elements are apparent the stories and what they're doing is wildly different and it'll continue uh with some of these other ips if we get them if we get the magic order if we get prodigy if we get i believe reborn let me look reborn up because i think reborn unless i was lied to by a uh by a person reborn let me look this up coming reborn Malarverse. See, I get going on some of this stuff and then I got to start adding additional, additional things, which actually I appreciate because then it's kind of freshens up what I'm talking about. Uh, Malarverse coming to Netflix because someone actually told me that it was going uh, every Malar. Okay, so here we go. Actually, let's look at this. What's on Netflix? This is a little aged, little aged. So let's go. Oh, there's a nice little deadline thing about Sandy Bullock going into Reborn. Come on, man. And of course, now my internet's kind of... Sandy Bullock is heading back to Netflix. Chris McKay at the helm. Hold on. What just happened? Okay. Acquisition, the Malar. 
Millar World available titles already. Obviously, Jupiter's Legacy dropped May 7th, 2021. Super Crooks was November 25th. That's the anime. Uh, Super Crooks, saying, is in development. American Jesus is in development. The Magic Order, back in development after a pause in 2020. And then Reborn is in development as a movie. Sharky, the, this is just me, me re-saying everything. Hawk, Empress, Prodigy. Uh, so it's pretty cool. I do like what they're doing there. Now, what was the thing? Hold on here. There was an interesting note here about Sandy Bullock. Okay, so Sandra Bullock's, according to FSR, Sandra Bullock's heading back to Netflix for Mark Millar's Reborn. The Lego Batman movie director, Chris McKay, will helm the comic book adaptation. Whatever you think about Bird Box, it's uh, reception among critics this year. Okay, Netflix's Sandra Bullock struck a gold with the buzzworthy horror flick. This time, the pair will bring one of the most, one of the properties of the extravagant comic book universe for Mark Millar to the small screen. Per deadline, Netflix and Bullock have teamed up to develop an adaptation of Reborn. The Lego Batman movie creator, Chris McKay, is set to helm the on-screen take of the sci-fi fantasy comic that was originally penned by Millar and illustrator Greg Capullo. Um, Much like many other properties in the Millar world, Reborn is its own mix of brash, over-the-top storytelling wrapped up in uh, dizzying visuals. The narrative follows an 80-year-old woman named Bonnie Black who spends her final days in a hospital. Although she doesn't believe in life after death, she wakes up as her 25-year-old self in a fantasy world, Adestria, after passing away. In this land filled with monsters and dragons waging an ongoing war of good versus evil, Bonnie's arrival is apparently prophesized. She must defeat a great darkness that's out for her blood. However, Bonnie also discovers a mission of her own. She encounters loved ones like her father, former friends, and beloved childhood pets in Industria. Yet, the one missing piece of the puzzle is her late husband, Harry, who died over a decade earlier and cannot be found Bonnie long, long, longs for the reunion and sets up the quest with her family to find Harry. Um, for the time being, Bullock's involvement in Reborn is strictly as a producer. Deadline adds that she could possibly star in the film as well. We could presume Bullock would be up for the role of Bonnie. Changing the character's age wouldn't be an issue. Okay, so it goes on and on. So the Malarverse in the Netflix world has changed. I mean, like I've heard and have been following this for the last couple of years and it just changes uh, depending on reception and everything that's gone on, but it's pretty exciting. And it's something that I wanted to bring out and share with you guys, just so you get a, a better understanding of the Millar verse and what Mark Millar's done. As far as the body of work, this does not include everything. Mr. Mark Millar has done. In fact, let me pull that up. Because he has been a pillar of the uh, comic book community for quite some time. Let me pull this up. Uh, Let's see. Early life and career. Um, He's also won several Eisner Eisner Awards. Best title for a young audience, which is Superman Adventures back in 2000. 
uh, Best Writer. He won an award for that as well. He won an Eisner Award for Best Writer for The Authority and Ultimate X-Men. Um, Best Serialized Story in both. Uh, 2004 Eagle Award for Favorite Comic Writer. 2005 won another one. As of 2015, Millar has three daughters. Okay, well, bibliography. Holy shoot. So maybe... Jesus. All right, so he has... All right, we're going to just stick to the Millarverse because he has so much. I mean, he's done a ton of... Well, let me just put it this way. He's done a lot of independent work. Um, He has done a ton of work for DC to include Swamp Man, Batman, JLA, The Flash... Superman, um, and, and many others. Marvel Comics, he's done a lot of stuff with Marvel Knights, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Scroll Kill Crew, Civil War, wah, you know, uh, Fantastic Four, Ultimate Comics, he did X-Men, uh, he did work for, or his work was contributed to Fantastic Four, Omnibuses, Spider-Man, Avengers, on Icon Comics, which is where the start of a lot of his, uh, Malarverse, Kick-Ass, Nemesis, Superior, Super Crook, Secret, Secret Service, a.k.a. The Kingsman, Empress, Image Comics, Witchblade, Run, Wanted, Liberty Comics, War Heroes, Jupiter's Legacy, Starlight, MPH, Reborn, Huck, uh, Hicker, the list goes on and on. And then other publishers he's done a little bit of work with, like Vampirella, Young Bloods, Chosen, The Unfunnies, and, and so forth and so on. So... Um, film adaptations from Mark Millar comics that are current wanted, which was, let's see if it says from 2008, we already mentioned that, uh, let's see, kick-ass from 2010 with director Matthew Vaughn kick-ass two in 2013 with Jeff Wald Waldrow as the director for that. Uh, let's see, uh, the Kingsman secret service in 2014, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, which was Matthew Vaughn, which was a successful movie. Captain America Civil War from 2017 or 16, the Anthony and Joe Russo film that was partly done. Uh, the, the writing for the original story was done by Mr. Mark Millar. Uh, 2017, another movie you may have heard of called Logan, uh, which was directed by James Mangold. And that was from the old man Logan run by Millar and Steve McNevin. Uh, Kingman's Gold Circle by Matthew Vaughn, and then most recently the Kingsman as well. So those are all the big the big stuff that has been published. Also, Jupiter's Legacy, obviously, and then of course Super Crook. So just to highlight some of that, because I feel like we've got a lot more coming from him. And if you want to read some of the resources or get a better understanding of some of the bodies of work that he's produced the easiest way to do that go to your local comic shop go online um, and check out some of these things i mean they're most of them are great reads i've read through most of these books i have i can tell you right now going through the list i have a bunch of jupiter's legacy i have some kick-ass i have some hit girl i've got nemesis super crooks no kingsman um, but i do have uh the reborn Magic Order, Prodigy, Shark and the Bounty Hunter, Space Bandits, and others uh, in my collection. Uh, A, because they're cool as shit, and that was before there was even mention. A lot of it was before there was even mention of an upcoming Netflix adaptation, but I appreciate the... I, I view him more independent than modern mainstream with the Millar world. Obviously, dude's doing some shit right if... 
we've got two MCU movie adaptations that were driven or used as resources from his material with Cap and uh, Logan. So check him out, Mark Millar. Uh, yeah, again, you can Google him. You can check out all of his bodies of work, and uh, maybe that'll spark an interest. Or maybe you just want to educate yourself on some up and coming shows that will be coming out soon. So there is that. Let's switch gears here because there is another item I do want to talk about. Uh, let's see. This one was pretty, pretty wild to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as most of you may or may not know, I've been a uh, on and off collector for the bulk of my life, uh, really taking it more serious over probably the last year and a half, two years, predominantly comic books, but I do have, you know, uh, baseball cards, basketball cards, so forth and so on that I do collect actively. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I collect actively. I don't, I do not collect active actively. Um, I do pick up some stuff on and off. Um, and, but still truly enjoy the collectibles hobby as a whole. Um, recently I've been fortunate enough to, uh, talk with a bunch of people on IG on YouTube and, and elsewhere about that. And, uh, I'd like to, and am continuing to build, uh, or I shouldn't say build continuing to contribute to the collectibles community or trying to right. And a few weeks ago, and I don't think I mentioned this or not, but a few weeks ago, I was on the whatnot app and I get stuff from them. So the whatnot app, if you're not familiar, is an application that you can download on your phone and it's most of it's auction style, but you can buy all kinds of shit on there. You guys check it out. If you're into any kind of collectibles, they sell fucking Legos on there, Pokemon cards, baseball cards, shirts. I've seen snacks on there. Um, most of the time I'm looking at comic books on there. I don't always buy stuff, but it's auction style. You can message with the people. It's live video. It's, it's a fun time, right? Well, Logan Paul, I believe it was for, for new years. Um, I knew Logan Paul was a, and is a Pokemon, uh, collector. Now, when people say that, it means different things, right? If you've been in the collecting hobby space for any amount of time, you start learning the differences between when people say certain things. And because Logan Paul is a celebrity, he has a massive following on damn near every social media platform and what have you. Uh, he is also a uh, part owner, if I understand correctly, could be wrong. But I, if I do, I th I'm pretty sure he is part owner of the Whatnot app. And Whatnot has also brought in a lot of comic book celebrities and other celebrities to uh, do the PR for the application, just to be clear. Like in comic book world, they have Gen Mint Collectibles, one of the biggest hobby and collectible guy, one of many, but a large comic book uh internet celebrity you got comic tom 101 another one i mean these guys have gem Min has well over a hundred thousand subscribers comic tom has almost fifty thousand subscribers nerdy girl comics rage theo we got comic shops on there like skeleton key um and and other large ones torpedo comics and, and many others so it's a growing audience it's uh going to continue to grow that and pop shop and i'm not going to go into the differences and whatnot today i'm just trying to paint a picture for you guys so Logan Paul for New Year's was doing a giveaway and they do a lot of giveaways on here, which is cool. You don't have to buy anything. You just have to watch the shows. You hit enter and then you could win something. In his case, if I recall correctly, he was giving away 
packs and he would do open packs of first edition Pokemans, which means you had the chance to win thousands of dollars worth of cards for nothing other than viewing. He also broke the record from what I've ever seen or ever even heard of on the whatnot app. And that was 16,000 live viewers that were interacting on the application. It could have been higher, um, but it was pretty wild. The point I'm, I'm going to try to make with this though, is this dude genuinely is as far as I could tell a hobbyist, a collector the, to see the excitement and the way that he was fluidly explaining the cards and everything, it, it brought a joy to my heart because it wasn't the persona that one may take from Impulsive or or the TV shows or what you may believe in, in Logan Paul. Now, that's exciting to me because at first whim, this is the first time I've ever viewed him do this specific task or thing. I was like, oh, this dude's just going to be a douche and he's just going to make, he wasn't, he was a genuine collector doing open packs. He was fucking excited. He knew the cards, he knew everything, which in return made me excited. I'm like, holy shit, this dude knows his shit and he is doing it at a very high level. My hat's off to you. Um, And he was just like a normal dude with some expensive fucking Pokemon which I thought was absolutely incredible. Um, so the reason I bring that event up is um, it, it it humanized him to a point of like, damn, dude, this dude is legit as far as Pokemon collecting and, and whatnot goes, which is awesome. So fast forward a couple of days here. This article broke January 13th, and I'd been following this to some degree because of the collectible hobbies. Um, And I find this extremely, extremely interesting. So this, this has been publicized to all get up and is going to continue to be over the next couple of weeks. Logan Paul bought an unopened sealed and registered box. And when I mean box, I don't mean a hobby box. I mean box. I think it was six box. I think it was supposed to be six boxes. Uh, so let's let's play uh, use your imagination time here, okay? Six unopened boxes of Pokemon. Let's let me look this up of Pokemon Series One in a sealed box with the original, with the original uh, whatever that the the plastic coating on it is which was certified by a company okay so let's look this up real quick pokemon series one unopened box uh Booster packs. I don't know. I don't know. How much is a first edition Pokemon box? Okay. Here, 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 this is an example. Okay. This is this is could could be completely off the mark, but one box. So how much is first edition Pokemon box? Sealed first edition Pokemon booster box fetches upward of three hundred and eighty-four thousand dollars at auction. Okay. Um, let's do this. Yeah. So up to $400,000 and I believe his had six or eight boxes in it. So again, what this is supposed to be, what he bought is a, 
a box that like you would get shipped to a store. Okay. And within this box, you could sell each one for $400,000. He spent $3.5 million on a certified and to get certification, you have to go to a professional company. It has to be completely looked over. So the moment of truth came the other day, if you guys haven't seen or heard this, because this to me was wild. I was following it. There was so much speculation and so much banter in the collectible world. It was staggering. Okay. So the other day, the unboxing video comes out. So let me paint this picture. You guys can watch this video. I suggest it. It's, it's highly entertaining. Uh, I could not imagine being in the shoes that being in his shoes or any of the guys that were in this room. So what does he do? Okay. What he does is he has the box. It's transported by a person, of course, cause 3.5 mil on the, on the, on the plate here. The opportunity here is like, I think he could have got like five Charizards or 10 Charizards. I am not a Pokemon professional. Anybody that's out there knows this better than myself, but he had the opportunity to possibly make a ton of money. Um, he already has, I think it's like four or six or five unopened sealed boxes that he's keeping and, and so forth and so on. So this box is transported. They meet in a hotel room. We have, if I recall correctly, two of the graders, one of which is the original grader that gave it a stamp of approval of untampered, unopened. And what that means for a collectible and in the hobby world, when, when you have a grader say that, that means that box is original. It has not been opened up. It hasn't been resealed. It is what it's supposed to be 100% or should or 99%. Okay. Yet. Logan Paul, the guy that spent 3.5. You've also got the other guy that sold it to Logan Paul, who is, I believe, a friend uh, and who was a high-end collectible seller as well, who bought it for 2.7 million from another guy. Okay, so those are the four guys. Plus, you got the guy that's filming it and probably some other guys in the background that we don't see. So the main question here at this point is, is this real? Because if it's real, it's like I said, six or eight um, boxes of Pokemon. And you're talking about a possibility, or is it six or nine boxes? Uh, you're talking about a possibility of, A, the only unopened case of Pokemon in the world, okay? And then on top of that, you're talking about six or nine boxes of first edition Pokemon. I think it's only six six boxes of unopened Pokemon that is again, very few in the world. So costing and and what their worth is, is you set the market, right? So they, they're in this room together and they're going to open it because they're like, okay, the greater, which this is awesome that they did this. The greater is there and the greater explains why he deemed it a hundred percent legit from a, a uh, standpoint, right? He talks about the covering, which has, if you've ever bought in like commercial products, especially collectibles and stuff, they'll have like a uh, plastic coating over it to a, to preserve that it is, it is what it says it is. And it's unopened. Cause if it was cardboard, you pop it open, take it apart. Um, talks about the rub marks on the cardboard talks about this, that, and the other. Right. And again, 3.5 mil has been cement on this thing. So he explains to him, he's like, I did my due diligence. Here's why the ceiling is hundred percent perfect. You have rub marks from the plastic 
onto the cardboard. It is aged appropriately. The tape has never been replenished. None of the plastic has been resealed. There's stamps. There's this. Then he goes over some of the protocols. And then it's the moment of truth, right? Let's open this thing up. Cuts the plastic off. Cuts the tape off. Before, right as the tape gets cut, they open half the flap. Logan Paul has in his possession a real deal first edition box of Pokemon, right? And he, and you could tell they're like, wait a second. Right when they open one of the flaps, there's two bow, two flaps, right? It's a box. Actually, there's four flaps, but there's two long flaps because this is a rectangle box. And he's like, wait, the color's off. And the box is fluffy versus, and you can tell these things. I know this sounds strange probably to most that don't collect, but there's certain things about collectibles, especially if you've been in the hobby for a while that you automatically fucking pick up on. And these guys, these guys were on it like that before they could even see the full thing. The colors off on the boxes, the box is fluffy and puffy, so forth and so on. Like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. This isn't legit. This isn't legit. There's no way they open the other flap and they're like, fuck, this isn't real. These are fucking fake. They open the box, they grab one of them, they cut it open, and it's full of G.I. Joe cards, which pretty much means you could flush that $3.5 million down the tube. So since then, there is a ton of stuff. I've got to watch. I think there's a new video out or coming out here. I'm sure there's a follow-up video coming if it isn't out already. Um, in regards to this, uh, I did read some comments and a couple of news clips about this right after the video was posted. And it sounds as though, well, okay, let me back up. The guy that sold it to him was like, dude, this the reason I bought it, the reason that it was this way is because it was graded. It was certified that this is an original box. And then the original guy is now in question, of course. Did he know or did he not know that this was fake? Uh the not not the guy that was there with him, but the guy previous that that obtained this box. And so that's obviously in question. But who is at fault here? Right. I mean, who is at fault for this? Clearly, Logan Paul is not. He thought he was buying X product, spent a, a lofty three point five million. His buddy, the guy that sold it to him, that bought it for two point seven million. Also thought it was legit. In fact, it was fucking graded by certified graders, which is crazy. So where does the fault go? So since then, again, I've, I've read some articles and seen several different news things coming out saying that the FBI is involved and that there's a bunch of fraud stuff going on to investigate this further. Um, was it a you know mispack, misship? I mean, the box is wrong. So it's it's from a collector standpoint. My opinion is this: those boxes that they showed were off color, wrong textures, wrong materials. The shit was a gimmick from the beginning. Um, that's my opinion. And they were filled, of course, with G.I. Joe cards. This thing was a gimmick from the beginning um, and was not a misdistribution because I, I mean, that could be that could happen. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but there's too many things there. If the box was right and those were sealed boxes because they were sealed, they were they were unopened. If the box was 100 percent accurate and it was like a misdistribution where they put the wrong cards in the box, then maybe one of the six. All six, it's hard for it's hard for me to believe. However, now it appears as though there is a very heavy investigation in regards to fraud and what could happen. 
crazy, crazy to see this. Um, but I think it's important. I think it's important for the hobby. Uh, and I, th- I think it's important for collectors because shit like this happens. The dude had a $3.5 million come up. Well, actually, let me, let me rephrase that. The previous dude bought it for $2.7 million. Okay, so a $2.7 million come up if he was the original guy. But was this stuff tampered with? Um, and if so, they did an incredible job because it oversaw uh, a grader. So liable parties, it's like you just you just kick the grader in the nuts and the grading company in the nuts because they got one by somehow. Jake Paul's in at 3.5. The previous, his buddy's in at 2.7. So you got an $800,000 variance between the two. Uh, regardless, these GI Joe cards are worth jack fucking squat. And now you're sitting there with damn near worthless cards and three point, you're out of 3.5. So fucking crazy. I don't know. My mind was blown. That may be going a little too far for those that uh, don't collect or care, but I found that to be extremely interesting, Um, especially after, like I said earlier, man, I, I got to see this dude. And got to see him in raw form, a normal person um, that absolutely loves and appreciates the Pokemon hobby is one of the highest end, uh, you know, probably with, I'm, you know, I don't know. Again, I'm not a Pokemon guy. I would guess that that Logan Paul has got to be within like the top 10 big boy collectors of Pokemon. And I could be wrong. Like I said, he could be in the top 20 or 30, but um, to see this happen and, and, I, I don't care who you are. That's fucking shit, man. That's garbage. Um, but it's also important for those that are uh, on both sides of the fence, those that are selling fake shit. Um, I hope in this case there's there's some uh, justice brought forward because that is not good for the hobby. Um, and, the other, and the other flip side of that is it's. I feel like it's important for the hobby because uh, people need to understand that shit isn't real. I think you know, a relatable story that does not even come close to the dollar figure loss here is over a year ago. And I think I told this story, uh, over a year ago now, I believe, or somewhere in there, I was doing a, uh, I was doing a local auction for goods and they had this special edition. I believe it was a Joe DiMaggio card, baseball card. Uh, and again, you don't have to be familiar with this, uh, with what I'm about to explain, but nonetheless, it's one of those situations. The auction houses don't necessarily do their due diligence. In my opinion that, uh, I've dealt with, and I've dealt with a lot of auction houses, unless it is a collectibles auction house. Now there's a distinct differentiation between a collector's auction house and a regular auction house. Regular auction house sells fucking everything. They'll sell you a a rocking chair. They'll sell you a car. They'll sell you a firearm. They'll sell you a fucking a bell. They'll sell you a shirt. They'll sell you a coat. Collectibles auction. Generally they're specialized, right? And that's, that's what they do. Heritage auction. They make sure 100 and fucking 10% and they bring in professionals to grade and ensure that the property is as it's supposed to be not, what it's not. So the main thing is your localized auctions or the non-specialized, you're taking it for face value. So you as the buyer have to do your due diligence. And in some cases you're swinging it because if you ask them questions, they, they may or may not answer. And so as mentioned about a year ago, there was a Joe DiMaggio card on there. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can pull up uh, Joe DiMaggio. See if I can pull this up. 
Um, I think it was Joe DiMaggio card. So while I'm, oh yeah, there it is right there. Perfect. Okay. I just found it. Let me see if I can find it. What the name of the card was. Okay. Yeah. Right here. So what it appeared to be was, there it is. There's the official. What it appeared to be was a 1938 Goody number 274 Joe DiMaggio Yankees baseball card. Highly sought after, very, very expensive card in good condition. This card was not in good condition. It wasn't in, it wasn't in pieces or anything, um, but it, you know, I would say it was low to mid-grade, which is awesome because it's still a fucking expensive card, right? Okay, so there, there are a couple of reprints of this card, but old cards like this, there are either, generally speaking, there are either clear reprints or not. Reprints are not worth fucking nearly as much as the original. So this 1938 Goody had distress. It had aging to it. I've got some old baseball cards, uh, baseball cards. And, and well, anyways, I won't even go into that. It had, it had appropriate aging. It had the appropriate front and the back. I was bidding on this thing, you know, hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks. And it just kept growing the night before the auction. Before I really dove in, because I'm like, holy shit, this is a one-off thing. This is a once-in-a-lifetime situation, and it's still at a price that, you know, even if I go in the hole financially, I can turn around and sell this and make make a considerable amount of money. That's the collectible hobby. And the night before I really started pushing the gas on this thing, for whatever reason, I was like, you know, I really have to do my due diligence. And so I went online. And I started researching it and I read page after page about this specific card and cards very close to this card. And then I finally found some graded ones. I mean, because so a PSA nine mint, which 10 is 10 is gem mint. That means it's flawless. A nine is to a normal person looks flawless as it should. Uh, PSA nine goes for almost a quarter of a million dollars. Okay. So I'm looking at this thing and I've got my uh, iPad pulled up. I've got my computer pulled up and I find, I find a graded copy and I am scanning this thing. I look like a fucking, a CSI guy scanning this baseball card. I'm going from corner edge, just slowly down, looking at both, looking at both, looking at both. Cause there is a, there is a real picture of it on the auction site. But again, these guys aren't sports cards, collectible professionals. So I'm scanning through this thing and I'm like, the front is flawless. It is as it should be. Everything is located the same at the same place. There's no missing words. The colors are right and everything. I get to the back of the card, start examining it again, do it once, do it twice, third time around, third or fourth time around. I am reading it word for word at this point, looking at each word, the print, how it's pressed, everything. Lo and behold, I discover that there are four additional words on this card and that wasn't an issue okay uh unless it's a one-off and i wasn't willing to go to the price because it was representative of like a 1980s or 70s weird reprint that was out there that wasn't again worth shit so i passed on the card 
And after examining it, I was not comfortable. Um, fortunately, I had the information. This is not like Jake Paul's to where, or Jake Paul, Logan Paul's to where Logan's was certified. Logan's should have been what he purchased. In this case, I passed on it. Unfortunately, the buyer, I, I hate to say this, the price on that card in that auction went for a couple of thousands, you know, several thousands of dollars. And that individual, in my, in my opinion, again, I didn't have the card in hand, but in my opinion, just bought a reprint or a facsimile of the original being worth maybe 75 bucks. So unfortunately, that's a part of the hobby. Um, and it is wildly different, in my opinion, what I just explained, what I what happened to me or almost happened to me. And then what happened to uh, to Logan Paul, obviously a lot more on the line, three point five million. Jesus. So hopefully justice will come. Uh, to his situation and i it, it just irks me that that's possible um i i was hoping for the you know i know there's a lot of naysayers out there talking shit but i was hoping for the best i mean how cool would that have been for the dude to get six more boxes he's got the money i mean that's his thing i it's not my business to fucking say what he spends his money on i think it's incredible would i ever spend even if i had the money to throw around 3.5 million on said thing i don't know but I can tell you this, you know, let's, uh, let me look this other thing up. I'll drop another crazy fact. Um, that I just saw. This just happened the other day. There it is right here. Perfect. So while you may think that's crazy, check this out. If you guys aren't familiar with the comic book Secret Wars 8, the original Secret Wars 1, first the first edition from the what was it from the 80s? Yeah. I have a uh I have a print of the unpublished cover, so it's like the artist print. It, it is a print. It is not original. I wish it was fucking original, but I have one sitting in my office here. And it is signed by uh John Beatty and Michael Zack, the original artist. So that is real 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 signatures on a limited print. Okay. So I don't know what it's worth. Um, I got it for a, an incredible price, but it's not worth a ton of money. I wish it was, maybe it will because of what I'm about to tell you. You may think that Pokemon six boxes of Pokemon cards sold for 3.5 million is fucking ri ridiculous, right? Well, uh, that shows what the collector market is willing to pay. And that's really the way the collector markets work. Just the other day, Spider-Man, and the reason I bring up Secret Wars, because this is from Secret Wars, Spider-Man comic book, page, okay, page from a comic book, okay, broke the all-time record. Now, this is original art, which means this is the art that, and I believe it's the, uh, the penned art, this is the original art that got sent to print or it got proved and then sent to print. So this is the art that the artist created and then sent to print. And then that we see this is number secret wars, number eight. And you guys can look this up. This is crazy. Page 25 from the comic book. Okay. So it's one page from secret wars. Number eight, the original art, which is fucking amazing. Um, which it's actually really cool to see this stuff. Uh, if it interests you, just sold at heritage auction heritage is like the the big boy in the uh collectibles auction market 
just sold. So, okay, the superstar work of auction, uh, the superstar work of the auction was page 25 from the comic Secret Wars number eight. A rendered by Mike Zack, the page sold for a staggering, you ready? $3.36 million. Heritage is shattering the record for interior art set in 2014 of 657,250 from the 1974 issue of the incredible Hulk featuring the rise of Wolverine, which is crazy. Cause that's, I believe that's talking about Hulk 181 original art. Also Thursday, page 24 from the same Spider-Man comic. Okay. So 24 and 25, 24 sold for 288,000. Meanwhile, page 25, which features, uh, the the stance one of one of the many famous uh black suit spider-man pre-venom black suit spider-man because some shit was going on um big panels it's got another one of him kind of running around and then it's got like a a panel with thor hulk uh reed richards captain america and i believe that's xavier in the background pro x for $3.36 million. That is absolutely insanity. So uh, I hope my print goes up. I mean, to tell you the truth, this is the way the collectible market works. I hope my fucking print goes up in price because I've got this beautiful print. If anybody wants to pay me $3 million, I'll, I'll get, actually, I'll give it to you for half. $1.5 million for a print, not an original, <laughs> signed by Mike Zek and John Betty. Beatty. I would sell you that. Uh, I'd sell you that for a tenth of that easily ah it's just so amazing i I don't know part of me finds it just very amazing especially because let me add one more thing and we'll wrap this up i'm getting excited here guys uh we also had recently in action comics number one come to market yes right there just a day ago so this is this is where this gets so crazy and the reason i wanted to share this is okay so go back again logan paul 3.5 six boxes fucking pokemon cards Gets duped, gets fucked on this deal. Hopefully, again, they investigate to figure out what the fuck he gets corrected. A page from Secret Wars, page 25 from Secret Wars number eight, sells for, what did I say, $3.66 million. Okay, a page. Again, though, it is original art. I find that to be, that's a one-off. There's only one of those. There's only one, right? There's one that it that made it. Uh, that ultimately created that page in that comic book. That's where that comes into being unique. Now, action comics, number one, you have seen, I guarantee you, you have seen, uh, you have seen re-imaged versions of the cover of this book. The original cover is Superman, essentially, grabbing a car in the air that was hitting a rock. This has been, um, fuck. It's been done a million times over with different characters, different cars, different situations, but it's a piece of history, more or less action comics. Number one from 1938, the first appearance of Superman. Okay. This just sold. And I think it's at, is it at a 6.0? I think this is the original picture. So it's at a 6.0 which for that comic is an incredible grade for the fourth largest sum ever for comic book history coming in at $3.18 million. Is that not crazy? 
the whole comic book graded at a 6.0, 3.18. The Spider-Man Secret Wars, or it's Secret Wars 8, featuring the Black Suit Spider-Man. Page 25, 3.66 million. That's the collectible market, guys. It's fucking wild. Oh, it's so freaking wild. Anyways, uh, enough about that. Uh, and and this is stuff. The other interesting thing with this too is uh, to to kind of go full circle with it. You know, Action Comics is the first appearance of Superman. The movies don't influence, in my opinion, the movies don't influence this collectible as much as it does with modern keys, uh, which is crazy to me. And it goes the same for did the Spider-Man No Way Home with us seeing the symbiote Venom in the in the uh, end credits. So if you haven't seen that, I'm going to spoil it for you. Did the symbiote, a.k.a. Tom Hardy's Venom, dropping that droplet of symbiote into Tom Holland's world, did that influence that sale of Secret Wars, the page, or was it unrelated? Because when you start talking about that stuff, it's interesting to me uh, to kind of question that. Was it, did it have anything to do with that? Probably not. I mean, I don't fucking know. I have no clue. God blessed that's a lot of money a lot of crazy stuff going on guys uh i think i'm gonna wrap it up thank you so much for tuning in to the uh, monday madness today i know we covered a lot of different things we were talking about the millar verse uh we wanted to say our piece for the late betty white and bob saget um and then of course we wanted to talk a little bit about the logan paul pokemon deal which i still think is crazy um tell you a little story about that Joe DiMaggio card. I did not pick up. Thank, thank God. And then, uh, yeah, share some of this other stuff that's going on in the uh, collectible market and what wild times we live in guys in, uh, 2022. So again, thank you so much for tuning in to the uh, breakout daily, both Dustin and I truly appreciate, appreciate you guys tuning in every single week again, not to beat it, not to, not to, uh, beat it to death here, but, we drop a minimum of four. We have regularly been dropping five episodes every week. And that starts off with Monday Madness, where I'm talking about stuff like today and uh, uh, a lot of other different things. It's all original content to be followed up by the Thursday show, uh, the news desk with Dustin, where he's doing a deep dive into the video gaming industry, video game specific, a lot of different cool things going on in that world. That's every Thursday. Friday, Dustin's got a ton of great uh, original content shows as well, which you're not going to want to miss. Most recently, he was diving back into The Shape of Stories, which was part five. And uh, again, a lot of of cool stuff going on there. And then Saturdays is the OTE or on this episode where we dive on into whatever shows or movies we are uh we're able to kind of capture and dive into that's more of a deep dive than the traditional so that means we're we're diving in deeper giving a, a more thorough review and a comprehensive kind of summary of our thoughts and conclusions and we have a bunch of those shows in there most recently wheel of time eternals hawkeye loki i say it a million times check that out and then of course we end the week with the weekend wire where it is just diving into current TV shows, movies, and the like, trying to keep you guys up to speed on all of those things. So thank you so much for tuning in to the Culture Jack podcast. Hit subscribe. Also, if you find it uh, 
If you like the podcast, let me say it that way. Um, if you like the podcast, please drop a review on whatever podcast and platform you're listening to. That's what we got today, guys. Another fucking long episode. Holy smokes. I'm looking at the timer. I didn't realize it went on a fucking run that long. Hopefully you guys found this episode enjoyable. Um, again, check out the Thursday show a couple days away. Uh, or shit, it could be past, depending on what day you listen to this uh, and the rest of our content here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Culture Jack podcast. We'll catch up with you in the next episode.